Thankful for the opportunity to be able to share God's word with you guys. Um, so let's just take a moment to pray again before we get into the scriptures. Father, we thank you, God. Holy Spirit, just come with your wrecking ball. Come with your power. God, I surrender my lips. I surrender myself to you right now. I just pray that, Lord, you would speak to your people. These are your people, the people you died for. Thank you for the privilege of being able to share your word, God. I know that I haven't arrived. I thank you for the work you're doing in my heart, God, and the work you're doing in their hearts. God, this is your body. So we pray that your Holy Spirit would just move through this place. Just have your way, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. We just adore you, God. We thank you even for songs today. We just fix our eyes on you in these next few moments. Thank you for even through the worship for preparing our hearts. Yes. Thank you, Father, for your presence. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 So if we can turn over to Matthew chapter 2. Tonight we're going to start there. I've really been excited about what the Lord's been speaking to us the last several weeks and months in regards to vision. And uh, we're chewing on that a lot. And, uh, obviously, we're a few weeks away from Christmas. This is Advent season that Jeff was sharing. But I really I was praying about what to share. And the Lord just really put this chapter, and a few chapters on my heart. But we're going to start back in chapter 2. Um, I'm going to just bear with me because I'm going to read most of the chapter. And then we're going to go over some of the things the Lord had in my heart to share. Verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, king, Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them when the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring him back to me. Bring word back to me, that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which had been seen in the east went before them. So they came and stood over the young child, where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child, Mary's mother, and fell down and worshipped him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then they, being divinely warned of the dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Now when they had heard, they departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child and destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and was... Uh, and his mother by night he departed toward Egypt, and there was there he was until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord who prophesied, Out of Egypt I called my son. Massacre of the innocents, 
Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, for he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all the districts, from two years and old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then it was fulfilled, which was spoken by the Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, and weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted, because they were no more. Almost done. Now when they heard it was that, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph, and he was saying, Arise, take the child and his mother, and lord of the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, and took the young child and his mother, and they came to the land of Israel. When he, when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea, instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee, and he came and dwelt in the city called Nazareth, that it may be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Wow, it's an amazing chapter. So let's, let's look at this again. Um, let's start with the wise kings. It's interesting that foreigners, these wise men, are given a revelation uh, of who Jesus Christ is. You notice what they say in verse, um, verse 2. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Like, they're not saying, where is the king of the Jews? They're saying, where is he who has been born? These guys are Gentiles, foreigners from another land who've been traveling not just a couple of days, probably years to get to see Jesus. And it's interesting, the Bible calls them wise men. If you look at the word, it's magi. It's a, it's a term used for sorcerers. It's an oriental term. Um, and these men are come through revelation. Somehow they know that the star that they're following is the star of, of, the, of the king of the Jews. It's, it doesn't get into depth on how they know this, but the reality is these are Gentiles. These are men who don't, aren't Jews, who are coming to a Jewish land and declaring to Jews, hey, where's your king? And it's interesting that Herod and the whole Jerusalem is troubled at the, at the sound of this news. It's about how God uses these foreigners to come and, dis, and declare that this king has been born, and nobody in town knows about it. The people who've been praying, supposed to be praying, and expecting the Messiah, are totally clueless to the fact that he's already born. And as a matter of fact, by the time they see him, He's not like a baby anymore. Jesus is probably between probably one, maybe 18 months, possibly. And this is why Herod destroys anyone under two years old. Because he determined the time which they saw the starting. And then there's a certain time frame. Sometimes we kind of misjudge or overlook the time frame in the scriptures. But there's time that's passed, and these men show up, and they're all troubled. And I was just thinking about this how it's amazing how they weren't happy about this. Here are the Jews who were probably praying, supposedly praying for this Messiah, and when they hear about this king being born, they're troubled. The whole Jerusalem is troubled. <clears throat> That's one of the first points I wanted to share tonight. Because, and we're going to go back into this, uh, because it's a very important theme here. And obviously they start talking about, they start quoting out of the prophet, but you, O Bethlehem, land of Judah. So it's interesting, the point number two I want to share is, there are four major prophecies here in just chapter 2 that are fulfilled. You notice that? Four prophecies that are fulfilled. Now we're talking about words that were inspired to men hundreds of years before Jesus Christ was born. 
And in one chapter, four prophecies are being fulfilled. Sometimes we read the scriptures and we don't understand that this is one of the reasons why we should have confidence in God's word. God spoke and it happened. But it's interesting that out of those four prophecies, one of them is that God uses a celestial sign. It's funny how sometimes we limit God and how he'll confirm his word. And he'll even use the heavens to confirm his word. He'll even allow a star to come out of nowhere. And these guys see a star and they're getting replicated. Heathens who don't know the scriptures are getting revelation. This is the, the star of the king of the Jews. Now, sometimes we, we think that God can't be stopped. Like God has, from Genesis to up to this point, he's been promising about the arrival of this king. He's been using men like us, weak, immature times. You know, we have our faults. And he inspires them to write these words. And then in, a, in, in a one chapter, you see these prophecies being fulfilled. One of them being where Jesus Christ is going to be born. It goes to show us just the magnitude, the importance of God's word, how God fulfills his word. Can somebody give me some water? Because I'm just, my mouth is super dry. Maybe it's the worship. Using water. Thanks. Um, one of the other verses we hear again, we go down more, another prophecy that's fulfilled is when Jesus, Joseph takes Mary and Jesus into Egypt. And the prophet is quoted in verse 14, 15, out of Egypt I called my son. It's interesting that one of the prophecies that's fulfilled is to a celestial sign, God moves the heavens in order to confirm his word. The other three, God confirms it through the weakness and errors of men. Because we see Herod wants to kill Jesus. And God wants Joseph to leave. And he tells him to go to Egypt. And as he's, and he's, he's coming out of Egypt, his words are fulfilled. I mean, sometimes we get these words from God and we think that it's going to be some sort of really cool way that God fulfills his word. And God uses even the weakness of men, even their bad disposition to fulfill his word. Here's this man, and I'm going to kill all these guys, and not knowing that he's doing, I mean, he's doing the wrong thing, but not knowing that in his actions he's fulfilling God's word. Thank you so much. Same thing with the one about the children being killed. Jeremiah the prophet is quoted, the voice was heard around a lamentation of weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. He kills these children, and God, again, is fulfilling prophecy. It's very important to understand, and one of the ways that we know that we're standing on solid ground is that God's fulfilling his word. And we should not expect God to fulfill it in, his, in a certain way in which we think he'll do. This is, this is radical stuff. He's, he's sovereign. He's He's moving through the, the weaknesses of men to fulfill his word. Don't you think he'll do the same thing for you? Do you think that God can actually even put a star and move the heavens in behalf of his word for your life? It's very important. It's interesting. We look at the stars, it's a little astronomical fact. You look at the stars many times and you see these lights and not knowing that many of these stars are already dead. They haven't existed in millions of years. The reason why you still see light is because 
They're so far away, their light is still getting there. It's pretty wild. <laughs> They've been dead a long time ago, but their light is still coming down. That's one of the reasons. So sometimes you look at the stars and a certain light is gone because it finally, the light finally got there. It's already done. But it hasn't existed forever. So here's God, man. I mean, because we, we, people have asked, where is the star of David? Where, where did it go? Like, who knows? But all we know is these men who were foreigners, who did not know God, God used the heavens to stir them up. And then he begins through this chapter to fulfill all his words. And then at the last prophecy is that he shall be called a Nazarene. Jesus settles in the time of Nazareth. Again, he comes out of Egypt and he settles in the time of Nazareth. After Archelaus is in charge and he's warned again, Joseph, about this. So I want you guys to see the second part because again, it's important to see that when God speaks to us, the way things are going to be fulfilled aren't exactly the way we think they're going to be fulfilled. Because that's the human nature. We want to know, we want to know the details of how it's going to work out. <laughs> we even start assuming and start telling God, like, this is the way it should work. This is the best way for me. But God has his own way of doing things. Again, he uses in these examples the weaknesses and even the, the bad hard disposition of men to fulfill prophecies from the past. It's pretty wild. So let's go back a little bit again to they were troubled in their hearts. Because I really believe that what's happening with us as a community is that God has been speaking to us about vision. He's been speaking to us about this vision that he wants to place in our hearts. And it's very important to understand that before we can receive vision, there needs to be preparation. Just like the scriptures teach us that the, the seed, God gives us the seed, and it lands in certain types of ground. This is Matthew 13. There are certain types of soils that the seed, the God's word, lands on. But it's our responsibility to prepare our hearts. Because if we don't prepare our hearts, we're going to get an expression like this. Like we see that this man, Herod, was troubled, and all of Jerusalem was troubled. They weren't expecting Jesus to just show up like this. When he arrived, they weren't happy. They were stirred and they were agitated. And we've been praying about vision, we've been praying about Jesus, we've been praying about revival, and we need to be careful that if he shows up, we're not offended. We're not like, oh, and if he shows up in another neighborhood, in another church, then we're not like, oh, that can't be Jesus because it's not here. What are we talking about? We've got to be careful. Our hearts are like a ground that need to be tilled and prepared. And I believe that God wants us to begin to start breaking up and really working to prepare our hearts because we cannot receive what we're supposed to receive unless the ground is ready. The ground needs to be ready so that when the seed is sown, there's life coming. That's why, you know, last week I was so encouraged because when uh, Pastor Chip was sharing about vision, I was like, wow, this is confirmation for us. And, you know, Tunde was stirred up. Ben was stirred up. Um, <clears throat> Teddy was stirred up. I mean, different people, different house churches are being served up about vision. And I'm like, Lord, what is this, what is going on? Are we ready for this? Are we ready to receive what you want to plant into our hearts? Or are we in danger of missing that? Just like these people were missing Jesus. The Bible says that when Jesus entered Jerusalem before he was crucified, that he wept. Because they weren't aware of his visitation. They weren't aware that Jesus was really the Messiah. They, they, they missed the whole thing. 
So one of the things that we can learn from Herod was the fact that Herod had an issue with receiving Christ because, one, he was power hungry. Some of us in this room may have a real strong desire to be in control. Wanting to be in control is going to keep you from receiving what God wants you to have. <clears throat> Number two, we see that Herod was very prideful. It's, I mean, he was very selfish and insecure. This man was murdering people. Anyone that was even a threat to his power, he was murdering. So to have a little baby born, I mean, to be able to be so afraid that he's willing to kill these two-year-olds and others, shows you how insecure this man was. So filled with just self, so, so inward focus that he could not really understand what was going on here. There was a gift being sent to Israel, and Israel's hearts were not prepared to deal with it. You think about this, this past Thanksgiving, man. I mean, I know some of you guys probably put in hours to for preparation for your Thanksgiving feast, right? The turkey, some of you the name, some of you turkey chunks, some, some of you have this combination stuff going on. For what? <laughs> it's interesting how much time we spend in preparing just a meal. And if you compare that to how much time we prepare our hearts before the Lord, we'll spend hours, you know, getting a turkey ready getting our house right, getting the ornaments just right. But man, when it comes down to the Lord coming to visit us, man, how much time are we giving him? How much time are we preparing ourselves for him to come and to speak to our hearts? So, moving forward, we have a couple of little illustrations that, that show us a little bit how to get prepared. You see in Luke chapter 2, verse 25, we read about Simeon and Anna the prophetess. It says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when, he stood, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all the peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people's Israel. So it's it's interesting that the Bible describes Simeon as a man who's devout and just, waiting for the consolation of Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him. So here's two characteristics we're going to focus in on. He was just and devout. He was righteous and he was devoted. Two things that many times are a big challenge for us. Understanding our righteousness in Christ and the fact that, man, there's a devotion that's required. The Holy Spirit was upon him. He actually knew when he was going to die. When you see me, when you see the Christ, then you're going to die. I mean, that's a real closeness to the Spirit, man. That's pretty wild. To have the Holy Spirit be upon you that closely, when you hear his voice, when you're, he's actually telling you, this is when you're going to die. That's pretty wild. Then you read down to Anna, the prophetess. The Bible says she was a great age, verse 36. 
and lived with a husband seven years for virginity, and this woman was a widow of about, of about 84 years, who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in, the inst coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So Simeon and Anna are two people who are recognizing, they're recognizing that Jesus is here. And it's not a coincidence that you got one who's devoted to prayer and fasting and the other one who's devout and just. If you put those two together, it's a pretty interesting combination. There's two people here who are just noticing who Jesus is. Everybody else is just doing their business. It's more about their daily routine. But Jesus has arrived and they're discerning. Like, here he is. Here he is right here. See, when we talk about vision, we want to be able to know, like, here he is right here. The Lord is speaking to me right now about what he wants. So there's going to have to be some praying and some fasting, and there's going to have to be some real devotion in our hearts. The scriptures talk about, in Jeremiah 4, 13, about, um, do not sow the seed into thorns. It's interesting, it says, don't sow your seed into thorns, because those are the thorns that are going to choke out the word. This is Matthew 13. Don't, don't, be, don't be unwise and just sow that into the thorns. Make sure that ground has been broken up. Break up the fallow ground first. Get these weeds out. Prepare the ground so that when God speaks, there's life. So here are two people who have been doing that, man. They're just waiting, waiting for the promise. Like, man, they're fasting, praying. I mean, Adam's been praying and fasting for 84 years. That's that's crazy. <laughs> she got married for seven years. Her husband got whacked somehow. And in 84 years, she's like on her face, daily in the temple. But you know what? It paid off. It paid off. I mean, sometimes we look at these things and like, man, so much work that we have to do. But man, imagine Simeon. Man. Imagine the joy in his heart where he sees the Messiah. He's seen God fulfill this word. He's seen that all those times in prayer and fasting did pay out. It wasn't a waste. The world might have made fun of him and been tripping on him. Like, what are you doing? Why are you so devoted? Because I want to see the Savior. I want to be able to discern when he's here. I want to discern his presence. I want him to be so close to me. I want to even find him maybe where I'm not. Maybe he'll tell me. Who knows? But the reality is that wasn't, even, wasn't what he was shooting for. He's not trying to find out where he's going to die. He's trying to get connected. He's trying to be devoted to him in his heart. But that's not going to take place again unless we are willing to look inward. I mean, I know I mentioned a couple weeks ago, I was joking around saying, man, if I look at myself hard enough, I'm going to get depressed. You know? <laughs> but the reality is, what I meant was that if I'm looking to myself for my own strength, if I'm relying on myself, I'm going to be disappointed. But it is a good practice to look inward. It is a good practice to look inward. It's the hardest thing to do. Because no one really wants to see what's in their hearts. And when someone's used by God to speak about what's in your heart, you get mad. And you, so then you, you hear somebody say, oh, don't judge me. You know, that's, that's the new thing. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. But maybe the Holy Spirit is trying to use that person to identify something in your heart that is choking the word of God in your life. They're very, I mean, again, we can be here every Sunday. We can be here in a house church and Jeff and wherever, but God stirs up someone to speak a word. But if that word is landing on 
A ground that's filled with all kinds of weeds. The scriptures are very clear. It's going to grow, but it's not going to be fruitful. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for fruit. This is how the Father's glorified, through fruit. So we have to be able to take some time and say, hey man, let me get the time inward. And this is why the business of this life is so tremendous. Because it's so much easier to look at other people's hearts. It's so much easier to say, man, this person's a friend, that's whack, man, he's bonus. But it's a whole lot harder to be like, let me take a hard look at what's going on in here. It's a whole lot harder to just take some time to lay aside and say, man, now what's going on in here? Why is it that there isn't real fruit evidence of your life and my life? What's going on in my heart? This is what's at stake here, guys. I really believe that the Lord is trying to help us avoid going into another season of where we miss a lot of what he wants to do in our hearts. I think it's because there's a tremendous mercy and grace that we do see things happen, and it's awesome. But man, I would love to go into a season where we may, we can look back and say, man, we maximized that season. There was maximum fruit produced in the season. That would be awesome to look back and say, man, that was awesome. It may, it may not have been exactly how we thought it was going to happen, but there was fruit. The life of Christ was expressed through me and the community. There was fruit. But we're not going to get to the fruit unless we look inward. We're not going to really walk in the vision that God has for us unless we look inward and say, God, break up the subtle ground. Where has my heart gotten hardened? Because I don't want the devil to steal the word of God. This is Matthew chapter 13. The first heart condition is the hardened soil. The seed is sown, and the devil comes and steals the word. Before there's understanding, he steals the word. The next one is, again, this, this is immediate joy because they think, man, thank you, God. And when persecution comes because of the word's sake, they, they shrivel back. And, and this is where we're throwing us, maybe, where we're relying on our emotions instead of the word. We're relying on how we thought about the word two weeks ago instead of the reality of the word, God's word. We kind of live on how we feel. Then we, look, we go into that third passage where it's about, man, this ground is so full of with weeds, the cares of this life are choking God's word, and there's no fruit produced. Why should we expect God to speak to us if we don't take care of our own hearts? Why should we expect to be fruitful if we're not dealing with our own hearts? Proverbs 4 says, be diligent to guard your heart for I the fool's nation's life. It's our responsibility to deal with our hearts. In response to his goodness, we should man, my God, in response to his patience, that alone, his patience, his long-suffering should have us saying, God, forgive us. His long-suffering his forbearance, his willingness to withhold judgment should be another initial, another motivator to be like, God, oh, man, how much more can my heart be prepared for what you have planned for me, for what you want to sow into my life? These two examples are great, but one of the best ones is John the Baptist. I mean, the next chapter is basically 30 years later. Sometimes we read the scriptures and we forget. When I mean, Jesus was a baby in chapter 2, in chapter 3, John the Baptist is on the scene. He's beginning the ministry of repentance. He says, prepare the way of the Lord. 
Get your hearts ready because when he comes, this is not going to when he arrives and he begins what he's supposed to do. If you're not repentant, man, you're not going to want, you're not going to be able to handle this gift. No. You're not going to be able to handle this. It's a gift from God, but if the heart isn't ready to receive that gift, there's going to be a rejection of that gift. See, so when God comes, he's like, man, I got to do them a favor. I'm going to sit down the Baptist first because <laughs> they're not ready. Obviously, in chapter 2, the whole town was troubled. Jerusalem, everybody was troubled. But they even, they even thought that Jesus was born. They were like, oh, what's going on? This is not good. And 20, who knows, 25 years have passed? I mean, you think, I mean, it reminds me of even the story of Noah. I mean, God comes over to build the ark. Takes him about 100 years to build it. And Noah's preaching, 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 preaching for all hundred years. What do you, you think God wanted the boat before the war of his animals? He's preaching to them. His forbearance and his patience are being revealed through the long suffering. Even the man's name who has the longest, um, who lived the longest, Methuselah, his name means God has waited long. That's what his name means. I have waited long. He's waiting for people to repent. He doesn't want them to be destroyed. He said, man, come on, man. Respond with the message. Check your hearts. I want to give you vision. I want to give you something new that you've never experienced before, but it's going to take you breaking up that follow ground. So you see John the Baptist with his radical lifestyle. He's eating locusts. I looked it up. Locusts are very good for you. High in protein with a little honey. <laughs> interesting diet. Interesting outer appearance. Obviously, John the Baptist is not interested in Gucci. Not interested in, you know, how he looks. He's loyal to the message, though. He's loyal to the message and to the master. He's not interested in position. When Jesus comes in the scene, you know, we all say this once in a while. He must increase, I must decrease. I mean, we say that sometimes. He's not interested in any position. He's not interested in outer appearance. Interesting diet, which could speak to some of us again, including myself. Okay? And I, this, there's a point to be made, because there's some, a few people who didn't mention that God speaks to them about how they're eating. There have been awesome men and women of God who died prematurely because of diet. It's reality. It's true. It's happened. The, the guy couldn't stay away, you know, you know from bumming up. And he has a wonderful ministry, awesome, but he's dead. Because he loved that jelly donut. Mm. This, this is what it is, man. So, I mean, I don't know how much you want to read into it, but this was his diet, and he was not interested in his outer appearance. He's loyal to the message. And, and John the Baptist is always referred to as the type of the church. The heart, the, 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 the church's heart was revealed in John the Baptist's message. Listen, Jesus is coming back. And in chapter 2, we see prophecies fulfilled about his coming. And there are prophecies about his return. And they're going to be fulfilled. This is not an if, it's when. It's when. So it, it, it would really... For us as a motivator, we're like, man, is my heart ready to receive? 
I mean, we have certain areas of representing here. We got Thailand, Iraq, Lockport, Schaumburg, North Side, Northwest Side here. <laughs> A district representing. So our sphere of influence is tremendous. Potentially. Potentially. This is why it's so important, guys, that we look at the examples in the scriptures. John the Baptist, Simeon, Anna, all the men of God, all the women of God, really embraced these things, prayer, fasting. They didn't know that Jesus was coming back. They just knew he was. And because of that, that's where they made the changes. And God's been speaking to us about vision, about what he wants to do in different areas of the city through us, man, we can't miss the boat here. We can't sit around and say, man, this is going to happen through a magic wand. A price needs to be paid. The jelly donut is going to have to be pushed aside. Yes, jelly donut. Yes. Some contend. Some hours to contend have to be sacrificed. Ooh, oh, man, there it is. There's the spirit. There's the spirit. I don't wait for the spirit to come. There he is. <laughs> oh man, now, now here comes the tomatoes, right? <laughs> Katana's awesome. <laughs> it's really good. Um, but, <laughs> don't encourage it. But again, I'm really excited about the fact that man, God's grace is on us, man. We can't look at these as coincidences. God's speaking to us for the last several weeks. And I believe that he wants us to prepare us. He's preparing us and he's speaking to us about the importance of our hearts getting ready. And it may, I'm absolutely sure it's probably not going to look what you think it's going to look like. But are we okay with that? Yeah. Are we willing to go before the Lord and say, God, whatever it looks like, it's good. Trust you. If it means relocating, if it means wherever I have to travel, it's good because it's him. These people didn't think it was good, Jesus arrived. But you have, again, wise men. And it's interesting. I, the Lord told me this a while back is that they're, they're wise because of their pursuit. They're pursuing a king, the real king. They may have been wise in the natural, but the real wisdom comes in their pursuit. They've left everything behind to go to a foreign land to find a baby. Months, months and days have gone by. You know what? They're wise because they're pursuit. They find the king. That's, that's, that's the burden of our hearts, my man. Lord, give us such a pursuit. I mean, earlier in the year, we heard about this new thirst. Psalm 63. The God wanted to give us a new thirst, a new hunger. First service of the year, he spoke to us about it. He confirmed it. We were at a retreat and he confirmed the first service. I don't think that's arrived yet. I don't think that new thirst and hunger has arrived yet. But I know he spoke that to us. So maybe he's waiting for us to respond in a more focused fashion. In a more like manner, I want to be devoted. I want my heart set 
For I'm so steadfast before you, and that your word is really landing on good ground. We don't want our souls seen through the thorns. I think we've done enough of that. I think we need to position ourselves when that ground is so ready. When the Holy Spirit comes, we're in for whatever it looks like. If it means losing jobs, losing jobs. Yes, I said losing jobs. If it means you don't get the job you wanted, that's what it might mean. But that's why we're positioning ourselves. Because when we know it's Him, we know it's the best. We know it's the best. And it pales in comparison to our plans. It, our plans come so short of God's glory of what we really want in this generation. Let me read to you Isaiah 57. And I'll close. We're going to spend some time in prayer for one another and this again. Now, once, it's Isaiah 57 14. It says, One shall say, keep, keep it up, keep it up, prepare the way, take the stumbling block out of the way of my people. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Just to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. So Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you that you can speak to us about vision and what you want to do in all of us. Now we know that Iraq's going to be affected. Uh, affected. We know that Thailand's going to be affected. We know that Lockport's going to be affected. We know that Schomburg's going to be affected. We know that those in the city are going to be affected. God, there's such a great opportunity to see your glory around the world and in this city, God. So I pray that, Lord, we would look inward, even now. And Lord, whatever you're pointing, putting your finger on, even to us tonight, that we're willing to repent and John the Baptist cried out, a voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And I pray that we would not miss this season and what you're trying to do. Now, this is an opportune time. This is Cairo's time. This is God's time. This is when you want to come and sow something in our hearts that is going to mean eternity, God. It's going to direct us to your heart and never before. It's going to break us. It's going to shape us. It's going to transform us. Because it's your heart, Jesus. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that again, you just help your people break up the fallen ground. And they would not believe that it's going to be a magic wand. Now they have to be the price. We have to be the price. And when your seed is sown, when the word of God is sown in our hearts, God, there is 30, 60, and 100 fold return. There's so much life that we can't contain it. That God it spreads like wildfire, God. The word of God is not restrained. It's not restrained, God. It's, it's consuming. It's moving forward in our lives. It's touching the lives of other people who need to know you, God. God, help us not be like Herod in Jerusalem who were troubled 
when good news came. Holy Spirit, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. If anyone wants prayer with just their own heart, and even in your own heart condition, if you notice some things that you need prayer for, then I feel like it's encouraged to come forward. Even if it just means I want to get prayer for just helping me get my heart prepared, whatever God wants to do, I want to encourage you to come forward. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.